give you some, some numbers over the last several weeks. Since Easter and counting Easter, we've had 35 people receive Jesus. Yes, that's awesome. Here's, here's the thing. You may be one of those. You may be one that has uh, recently uh, started this journey uh, with us. But next week, we're doing water baptism. And in the Bible, every, um, every, every time there was, it talks about a mass of people getting saved or anybody getting saved, all, there's a pattern. And it always goes salvation and then water baptism. And every, so it, it's just salvation is the time between you and God. Water baptism is the time where you publicly say, hey, I've received Jesus. I belong to him. It's the identifying, the act of being baptized is identifying yourself with the death, burial, and resur- resurrection of Jesus. And so that's next Sunday. Um, if you can sign up, you can do that on your app. You can do that for you. If you come next week and change your mind, say, ooh, I really want to get baptized, but I didn't come ready to get wet, we'll be ready for you. We'll have everything you need, a change of clothes and stuff for you to be able to get baptized. Um, but if you can, uh, sign up for us. That will help us out greatly. We're going to jump into uh, part three of our Galatians series. We did chapter one, and chapter one was talking about, Paul said, hey, you got to be careful because if you're not careful, you go back to this gospel of rules versus the gospel of grace. God's grace sent to us through Jesus free and all these young Christians were coming and they were being drawn back into thinking they could just follow rules and everything would be okay. Then in chapter 2, we, Paul goes through this thing of saying, hey, you can't get yourself to heaven versus the way it really is. The Bible calls us to live a crucified life, which means we let Jesus, he pays for our sins, but then we follow him. And we lay down our lives and give it to him. And the Bible says that he really gives it right back to us and then some. And then today, we're going to do chapter 3. And in chapter 3, Paul says, I don't think you got what I was really talking about in chapter 2. So I'm going to give you a different approach. And he asked this question. He asked, what is the law's purpose? Versus, what is grace? Why do we need grace? What does it look like? What does it feel like? So we're going to jump in and read here in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. And he, Paul says, oh, you foolish Galatians. And he kind of calls them out. He's talking to the church now. If you remember, all of these books that Paul wrote are named after churches. He wrote to the church of Galatia, the church of Ephesus, the church in Corinth. It was his first and second Corinthians. Um, and he's telling them stuff. And he says, hey, who has cast a spell on you, an evil spell? The real Greek translation for that is where they get the term evil eye. And if you, anybody ever had mom give you the evil eye for Mother's Day? My mom was about five foot, tiny. She's kind of a tiny woman, but yet she ruled three boys with just a look. She just, right? Most of you sitting in church, remember growing up, and you sit behind your mom, and she'd turn around and just give you the stink eye. And you knew when church was over, it was about to get ugly. Or you come home and... And mom, you give your mom the grade, the, your grade card, and she looks at you and kind of turns those eyes sideways. See, that's what the, the Bible says. Who, who cast this spell on you? And it says, for the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made clear to you. We told you why you need Jesus and what you needed to do and how, why, you, why you needed to receive this. And it was so clear as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Look at the next part of the verse. It says, then he says, let me ask you one question. 
He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? In other words, did you receive Jesus and the promise of his Holy Spirit by just simply obeying the law? Paul says, well, of course not. He says, you received the Spirit, then with capital S, the Spirit of God in you, because you believe the message that you heard about Christ. And he, he begins to ask them these questions, and he says, now how foolish have you been after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to go back and perfect your own human effort and be perfected by that? It just doesn't work. And he again goes back into this idea of people trying to work it for themselves. You see, you can't do that. Even today, you probably know some people, and this is sad, but I'm, we'll ask you to raise your hands because I, I'm really curious. How many of you know judgmental people? Okay, now here's the, here's the question. How many of you know judgmental people who say they're Christians? Right? As they look at you with this stink eye like you're serving God somehow is not to their spiritual level. And they can look at you and look down at you and say, well, you are not as holy as I. Me and God are like this, but you're just not quite there yet. You need to do better. You need to, to do more. You see, that's just not, they, they make you feel like you got to do more to earn God's approval. Well, today I wanted to do something very simple, and I can't say it's tied to Mother's Day, but I want to make sure that we all understand what is the simple truth of the gospel. Because the Bible tells me in Romans 3.23, which I didn't put it up there for you, that we've all messed up. The verse says, for all have sinned and fallen short. Is anybody in the room perfect? Good, because if you raised your hand, I would have told you, no, you're not, because you're arrogant and think you're perfect, and you're not, which means you're not perfect. Because the Bible says we've all messed up. The problem is, there's a problem that was created when man sinned. Because God created us to be with him, and the problem is we can't be with him because we're not perfect, because only God can only exist with perfect. See, we have this thing to fix, and we can't fix the problem. So God did. No matter what we did in our own lives, we can't fix the problem of sin, of this unpaid bill, this unpaid debt that we can never pay. The Bible says it was paid for by the blood of Jesus. And as you look at the gospel, you need to understand this because I get this a lot. People ask me, why does God send people to hell? Why do, why does, if God is such a loving God, why does he send people who he loves to be eternally separate from him and away from him forever? Why does God do that? This is an important truth of the gospel, and you need to know this. You see, God, hell is not where, a place where God sends people. Hell is a place that people choose when they choose to pay their own bill. It's not a God choice, it's our choice. Remember last week we talked about, the Bible, there's a verse in the Bible that says, hey, choose today who you're going to serve. You can choose life or you can choose death. So it's very much not true that God sends people to hell. Because God knew if we, he didn't send Jesus, we would have no other way. We would have no hope. So he sent us hope to be able to choose eternity and life and the gospel of grace. Paul even writes about it in Romans, or Romans Galatians chapter 3. It says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Because it's written, 
Go back to that verse real quick. See, here's what we need to know. God's not cursing you. The curse is eternal separation from God. In other words, we're all going somewhere when we die. It's just which place are you going? There's only two directions. I don't care what anybody else tells you. The Bible is clear. There's, there's heaven and there's hell. And the curse is eternal separation from God. And that's what he's talking about here. God's not cursing you. Without Jesus, you're under a curse. And it goes on in verse 10 to say, As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of, of law. In other words, the Bible, Paul is saying, hey, listen, you want to follow the law? Good luck. Go for it. Because it's not going to work. It's just simply not going to work. The Bible goes on and James, he, and James writes this. He says, forever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of what? Of all of it. Now I go back to the question of who's perfect. Nobody raises their hand, right? So if we had this set of rules and the Jews end up having hundreds of rules that they had to follow, the Bible says if you break just one, you're guilty of all of them. And see, we, we, we like to tell people, well, I can do... I can do good stuff. Well, let me give you this list of stuff you can do. And believe it or not, you still won't go to heaven. You can read your Bible. You can read and know the word. You can pray, you can give, you can serve, and you can worship. All things which we want you to do, which we encourage you to do to get closer to God. But the Bible is still very clear. Until you make that, have that act of receiving Jesus, Jesus, I receive you, I thank you for what you did for me, God, forgive me for my sin. God, I lay my life down, and I'm going to follow you. Until you have that act of, of submission and surrender to God, the Bible says you, you can do what we talked about Oprah. You can give all the cars away. Mark Zuckerberg, I'll give you a good one. Elon Musk, right? Just spent more money than all of us will ever make combined to buy Twitter. He could spend every dollar he has, and it's not going to get him to Jesus. He could give it all away. There would be a lot of happy people. I wouldn't turn the brother down if he called and said, hey, how much do you want? I would say, as much as you can send us. But you know what? Him writing that check to Believer's Church is not going to get him to heaven. Doing good does not get you to heaven. And Paul says, hey, you need to understand this. You can't go back to these rules that God, and he asked this question, God gave, why did God give us the law? I want to give you a few quick answers. He gave us the law that couldn't be obeyed. See, law can't change sin nature. Let me, let me prove it to you. If you make a rule at home and you tell your child, don't do this, does that mean they will never do that? No. And if, you're, if we're naive enough to think that, then we need to come out to the real world. Because this is true. That if laws worked, we wouldn't need law enforcement, right? If they put the stop sign out there and everybody stopped, why would they need to sit and guard it or sit and write people tickets? Why would they need to get out on the bypass and, and find people speeding? Why? Because we speed. We all know if the, if the speed limit sign says 55, it's 65 it is. Some of you, it's 55, it's as fast as I can go until I run into the person in front of me. 
They write these laws, but do they change any of us? No. Well, the same is true with the laws that God put out. But God said, hey, listen, if you want to get to me, you got to be perfect. And before Jesus, the only way they could do it was to follow all these rules. See, our problem is we have a 51% mentality. America does, I think, in general. And it's this. And it's sad that Christians believe this, but it's not the Bible. And if anybody ever tells you it is, they're lying to you. We have a 51% mentality, and that means if I am good at least 51% of the time, 1% more than even, so my good outweighs my bad, then I get to go to heaven. That's just simply not true. Because here's the truth of what we are before Jesus, that we're, we're sinners. And it doesn't take 15 sins to make me a sinner, it just takes one. It would be like me telling you, Okay, well, you're not really a murderer until you get to number 10, right? If somebody kills one person, they are now what? A murderer. They murder, it doesn't, they don't have to get like multiples to, to earn it, to earn that title. And neither do we. You see, the Bible says, and now Paul asked this question in 3, in 3 verse 19, why then was the law given at all? And then he goes on a few verses later and says, hey, the law was here as a guardian. So if you ever asked why the law, why didn't Jesus just come in the beginning? The true answer is, I don't know, God had a timetable, but the Bible says that the law was here to be guardrails. And it really still is today. People say, well, the Old Testament is the Old Testament, and it's not really applicable. Well, no, Jesus came, the Bible says, to fulfill all the law, but the law was guardrails to keep and protect us until you could cross paths with Jesus. See, in other words, the law does this. The law leads us to Christ. The, I believe God gave us the law, gave the Jews the law, because it pointed them to something they didn't see. Because the Jews never really acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah, as the answer to the problem. Now, there are Messianic Jews today, and those are Jews who believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and they believe like us, but the law was simply pointing, and Paul says, hey, listen, you want to do this, God gave us this avenue to stay in between these, these rails, because God wants perfection. See, here's another misnomer. God's not asking us just to do right. Now, he wants you to. He wants you to choose right, to choose the word, to choose to do good, See, God doesn't want to choose right. He just wants to make you right. What he did with Jesus, he said, I'm just not going to give you the ability to know the right answer. I'm going to give you the ability to be the right answer. And that's why we needed Jesus. See, God's grace for us is meant to be experienced, not just looked at, not just we talked about knowing. The Bible actually says of the devil, if you read through the New Testament and then even there's a story in the Bible where Jesus is tempted by the devil, and the devil himself is quoting Scripture back to Jesus. So knowing it is not enough. I truly believe that grace has to be experienced. Now, I'm going to give you real quick before we get out of here. We're going to go celebrate moms, eat a big meal, take her pictures, and, and have a great day. But I want to give you five things real quick. If you've never really thought about grace... Before I give them to you, I'll give you the definition. I didn't put it on the screen. 
You can type it in your notes on your live version notes or you can jot it down. Grace is simply receiving something you didn't deserve. Mercy, the difference between grace and mercy, mercy is withholding something you do deserve. And the reason we call it the gospel of grace is because God sent Jesus for us to pay the price, to pay my bill, even though at times in my life, and probably you and yours, as God looked down through history, we were probably flipping God off like, I'm done with you, I don't believe in you, I'm not happy with you, or we're doing our own thing. And grace says, you don't deserve this, but I'm doing it for you anyway. Now, the other side of that coin is mercy, and mercy is when I give you this grace, I send it to you, I'm going to withhold what you deserve, and that's what we look at when we talk about Easter, when Jesus is put on the cross, the Bible says the weight of the sin of the world was put on Jesus, that he took what we deserved, showing us mercy because we 